Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off this cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to our first Champions League episode of the season. Woo, it feels good to say that. Uh, Anthem, I tell you what, got the... Uh, the hair raised a little bit on the back of the neck. It was a great time for the first 10 minutes in the ceremony. Joining you, as always, my name, Brandon, the host. We have Nick and Dan. Uh, Dan, uh, um, Champions League, better or worse than your birthday? I guess it would depend on the match. So I'm going to say my birthday is probably being always back. better. Champions League being back. Oh, being back uh, at this point because I'm just getting older. That Definitely the Champions League being back. Done. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. Yeah. The, the world is separated between people who are over-exuberant about their birthday and then people who like getting older in peace. Um, you know, be, be whichever you want, Brandon. I know that you're a birthday month type of guy, but, um, you know, for the Hardly. rest of us adults, we just want to <laughs> yeah. want to carry on getting older, you know. And well, uh, let, let's just let's just tell the story about how Nick has sent us a weekly reminder that his birthday is coming up. <laughs> it's like a repeating calendar event and it just counts down. One week left to my birthday. Can't wait. Uh, well, well, we're going to be in diva. London for it, boys. So let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, that'll be fun. Thankfully, there'll be plenty of other things to distract us to celebrate than just that. Um, but yeah, so obviously today's episode is going to be the match reaction from the Valencia match in the Champions League. So the overall theme of today's show, Nick, I got to kick this one to you since uh, your genius brain came up with this. <laughs> My genius brain remembered a quote from Ron Swanson and regurgitated it. Same thing. Um, 
the the theme of today's show, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. And a quick elaboration of why? I mean, there's a lot of cup competitions going on, so Chelsea have to be diligent in their pursuit of, of what really matters, and uh, and I I don't know if they, if they quite were today. So there's going to be a lot to discuss about all of the matches uh, forthcoming. All right. Well, in order, we have today's topics of just how unlucky Chelsea were when all the underlining data and st- statistics would suggest we should have easily won this match. Then we'll move on to specific decisions that may have put Chelsea in a hole versus our group after... Well, I'm sorry. It'll put us in a hole compared to the teams in our group after Ajax won. So that obviously puts Ajax and Valencia in a strong position right out the gate. Uh, and then the fracas surrounding the penalty being awarded, taken, and the fallout that ensued uh, poor Ross the fracas. boss. What's a fracas? A fracas? Fracas. So it's a little bit like a scrum. No, I know what it is. I'm, just, I'm getting harassed for my pronunciation here. Maybe you don't understand my neutral Midwest accent, Nick. <laughs> if only I also lived in the Midwest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Dan, really, really quick. Uh, we have another iTunes review. Yeah, uh, King Hazard 10, uh, leaving five-star love from uh, South Africa. So it was pretty exciting to see that pop through. Didn't even have like a day, but to leave that review before we got into another podcast recording. So we were great, uh, greatly appreciate it. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll hook you up with a little shout-out at the start of the next episode. Appreciate that. And Nick, the goodies of the promo codes before we get into the match review here. Word. Um, sorry for the delay on the World Soccer Shop contest. Um, we were a little slow out of the gate on that one. So you have all our, our apologies. It's, it's going to be live um, on Wednesday. Uh, we're going to get that thing going. Uh, crux of the issue, we want to hear about your Champions League memories leading up to the 2012 Champions League win. Uh, we're going to do a little pod special series on that uh, little ditty, and uh, we want to get your thoughts. So you can leave a voice memo via Anchor. You can leave some comments on Instagram or Twitter. We just want to know how you feel. If you're feeling like an extra overachiever, send us a video. Um, and then uh, we will be awarding the home, away, and third kits to... Uh, the top three. So three people will be uh, winners of, of those kits. And then obviously, friends at Talisman Caps. Uh, love those guys. London Blue 10 for 10% off, $35 or more. Uh, we will have a, a new uh, merch contest coming with them in October. So hold tight on that. And maybe even our own guys, our Ooh. own Talisman stuff which will hey be. maybe i might actually get one of those this time and like the sticker so anyways uh appreciate those two he's, sponsors he's not better folks Deeply. he's not better <laughs> uh but let's go ahead and talk about the match review so valencia if you are in spain valencia for the rest of us uh in the champions valencia. league at Stamford bridge chelsea zero valencia one all right not not exactly what i was expecting dan um, also not what I was expecting is this lineup that Frank threw out there. What did he run with? Well, he ran with something that might look very familiar to what we saw this weekend, where Keppa was in between the sticks, Zuma obviously in for an injured Antonio Rudiger, Christensen and Tomori as a back three, Azpilicueta, Jorginho, Kovacic, and Alonso make up the midfield four, and then we had a front three of William Mount and Tammy Abraham. Uh, substitutions did come for Zuma, Kovacic, and Mount. Mount was replaced by Pedro, Kovacic by Ross Barkley, and Kurt Zuma by uh, not a defender. It was Giroud. So that was 
quite the lineup. And, you know, Nick, I mean, just it was a ridiculously young and untested Champions League lineup as it relates to what Chelsea have put out previously. Yeah, I mean, that that is very true. I mean, your your boy Christensen is, is you know, and, and Cesar Espilicueta are probably the, the two old heads on that. William has a ton of experience, but the rest of it is is pretty tough. And, you know, even Kovacic didn't have a lot of Champions League experience playing with Real Madrid um, back in the day. So, you know, again, for Kyle Tamori, Tammy Abraham, Mason Mount, um, getting getting a really good shot here. And, uh, you know, it's it's interesting, right? When we say don't, don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing, there are a lot of matches in this season. There's going to be a lot of opportunity for Chelsea to rotate. And um, obviously the Champions League is a prestigious competition. We all want to play in the Champions League. We want to see this team thrive on those special Tuesday, Wednesday nights. Um, I personally felt like after a, a, a weekend away at Wolves, um, that there would be a little bit more rotation. Uh, I thought that would be the, the best way to go about this match at home. You get the confidence of the crowd behind you. And uh, and Frank took a risk going with the same legs that, that basically played a full 90, Brandon. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it necessarily paid off for him. Yeah, really surprised. You know, obviously this is wedged in between the Liverpool match coming up this Sunday. Don't know if you guys heard we're going to be there. Humble, hashtag humble brag. Um, just hashtag brag. We ain't humble. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, you know, be empathetic, Nick, to our friends that won't be there. No, but, you, you know, look at the lineup. And I guess I'm assuming Lampard just said, let's roll with momentum. You know, Tammy's got a bunch of minutes lately. Didn't know if you give him a rest, but at the same time, he's in form. So you just kind of keep playing your hot hand until it doesn't become hot. And, um, you know, he's done a 4-2-3-1. He did a 4-3-3. Kind of did that until it stopped working. So now you've seen the three, four, two, one. It kind of stopped working. So I'll be really interested to see what he does for Liverpool. But you have to assume he's going to make some changes. Um, at least they have a few days rest, right? Because it's not till Sunday. Yeah. Well, and they were at home too, which is the other thing to consider. Right. They didn't of course, have any travel. no travel. Yeah, yeah. You don't lose any days of travel. But I mean, honestly, though, did we did we think that this would be? the lineup. I mean, no. I, like, I don't no, no. think so. I actually, and I know it's insane to say this given Tammy's form. I thought there was a chance that he would, would be rested in this match mm-hmm. and that Giroud would play. I thought that Pulisic would play. I actually thought that Barkley would start the match in place of Kovacic given his recent injury. I mean, there, I know, I know the squad depth Dan right now is not peak um, for a bunch of reasons, but I think there were certainly opportunities, whether it's a back four or back three, and however they wanted to construct the midfield to to rotate a little bit, and it, it looks like the team kind of got leggy. Oh, we're, we're thin, right? We're we're stretched. We're the, you know, it, nothing good can come from playing injured players or risking players who who are injured. I mean, you have William just back from from his fitness issue. Pedro obviously been out injured a little bit. Finally gets into the lineup, gets a chance to play. You have just, I mean, a list of players a mile long that are not available to Frank right now. And so I think in some scenarios, some of the safe choices, especially if you wanted to go out and dominate at home, had to be to roll some players who are, you know, essentially the the best option. I mean, I think the thing is, in defense, there really wasn't a lot you could have done in terms of playing a different 
back lineup. I mean, if you go to a back four with Alonzo back there, that's extremely risky. So playing with a back three made sense. Barkley for Kovacic. I just, you know, Kovacic is capable of making some really great runs, keeping possession. It's not what Barkley does best when it comes to a midfield perspective. And then I think attack is probably where you would have thought to see some rotation. But I think to Brandon's point, you know, you got a couple of players that are really hot right now. Mason Mount and Tam Abraham are the two highest leading goal scorers for the team right now. So if you're thinking that you want to at home score goals early, get those first three points and put yourself in the pole position to win your group, this was this was the match, I think, to go out and do it, especially with a club that uh, recently fired their manager, lost to Barcelona in, in horrific fashion this weekend. It, it seemed like the, even with our injuries, we were still in a position to, to go out and do the business, Brandon. Correct. So let's go ahead and help frame up the, the squad as well, because Nick kind of touched on it. So Grant James at Grant DeSmit, uh, putting it out there, uh, the number of Champions League caps or appearances that Chelsea squad has. So he tweets and he says, Chelsea players who have never played in the Champions League with the fact that qualifiers do not count. Keppa, James, Tomori, Emerson, Mount, Barkley, Abraham. None of those players have ever played in the Champions League. Then there were nine other players in the squad who have 15 or less appearances. So who are the most experienced? Obviously Pedro with 73 Champions League matches. Okay. Uh, remember, you play, what is it, nine? Or wait, you play six in the group stages. And then if you're lucky, you play another three. So just keep that in perspective how many 73 uh, matches are. Then you have William on 64. Kovacic, Nick, actually has 33, which is more than Giroud. I didn't, I wouldn't have expected that, except Giroud's at Arsenal for a while. So there's that. Um, Giroud at 30. Pulisic at 22. Pulisic is actually a bit of a veteran in this competition, but uh, again, just kind of gives you some context. And then at Opta Joe saying three, Chelsea are the first team since Liverpool in December 2008 against PSE, PSV to hand three Champions League debuts to Englishmen aged 21 or younger in the same game. Look, this is going to be a repeating thing all season. Chelsea are going to break every record for playing young <laughs> English players in every competition this season. So Opta Joe, just get the te- keep the template fresh. You're going to need it. Um, and then lastly, uh, some of the high-level stats. Chelsea with 22 shots, six on target, to Valencia's eight total shots, two on target. Chelsea mopping up with 60% possession, 89% pass accuracy. We fouled the shit out of them 24 times. They only committed 10 fouls. Our two cautions, thanks, Jorginho, uh, and 10 corner kicks. So... Dan, as you mentioned, some underlying stats, some data out there that mentioned, hey, you know what? Maybe Chelsea actually should have won today. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's it's buried just a little bit further. But the fact is, and you have an expected goal of 2-1, I mean, you took a ton of shots in the 15-yard box, just a ridiculous amount. And the fact that there was, uh, I mean, Clisson is obviously a, a a strong keeper as well. So I think there's some credit to him for overperformed today. What else is new? Yes. Yes. uh, For man, he's crazy. He, uh, he overperformed his remit. He'll get a nice little bonus there. I think from that, but yeah, expected goal of 2.1 plus the penalty. So we should at least have taken a point or draw from this and probably should have won. But again, it's, 
not having a lot of clinical finishers and not having a really creative force in midfield, um, like Sesk, when we used to have Sesk on the team, is that you really start to see the failings when some players are just a little leggy, as Nick said, or, you know, Nick, when there's just not someone who has that same level of spark that we've had on this team previously. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when we when we remember this match and, it, you know, we, we can look back at it three months from now or whatever, it, it will not be... You know, I, I don't think people necessarily remember the penalty miss or uh, anything like that. I think it was just that the team did not have the spark or the or the offensive ability to break Valencia down. And yeah, sure, there was a little bit of of luck involved with it. You know, obviously, you know, Mark Alonso's shot is an amazing save from Sillison. You know that. You know the the wall jumped and he kind of snuck it under there and that's just a really really hard save so credit to him on that. Uh, William missing from four feet. I mean what? You know that's tough. Um, but you know again when you have twenty two shots and only six are on target, uh, that's that's the difference in the game, right? Um, conversely, we only gave up two shots on target the entire match and one went in. Uh, you know this is. A team over the last two matches, I think the back three and the wing backs have provided more solidity. Um, but what we might have seen here is a little bit of kind of fool's gold against Wolves, Brandon, where everything that Tammy hit went in, and, and they were good goals, obviously. Uh, and then we had a couple other you know contributions as well that were maybe a little bit outside of um, of a normal. No, a normal match and Fakayo hitting a bomb and, and Mount kind of getting a, a, just a late one. So it might've been a little fool's gold offensively and, and the team did not look convincing. I know they were pressed high up the pitch. I know that people were, you know, kind of making moves, but six on target out of 22, you got to do better than that. Without a doubt, because obviously this is a situation we get ourselves in that, you know, you give up two chances you, you, you lose one because we don't do clean sheets this season, all right? I think we should just go ahead and accept that fact. But <laughs> Clean sheets know. are canceled, as, as we all know. <laughs> 20, there's no golden glove for Kepa this season, that's for sure. But 22 shots, six on frame. You see the, the heat, the XG map with all the shots inside the box. Like, man, that's, that is tough to see. Uh, so uh, as, as we like to react to Seb C's tweets because they're good, uh, he says, the best indicator of quality at any level in football is the ability to shoot at goal. Abraham had five shots. Alonso, four. William, three. Jorginho, zero. Kovacic, one. Most in that midfield for Chelsea since the turn of the millennium? Question mark. So obviously what he's saying is that our center mids are providing no, no attacking threat uh, from the ability to shoot. And then he says the biggest stake is for any midfield two is to be able to do the job of three players if you only have two ball carrying is one way to show up in different places in the same attacking move we all know only Kovacic can do it in parentheses with little end product in parentheses and Jorginho simply can't do it uh, Nick the person who is the first person that comes to your mind when you say wow who has the ability to do the work of more than one person hmm if only we knew 
you know, some, drink water. I, I, I really <laughs> thought he was going to say Nicholas Verlaney for a moment, oh. and I'm, I'm happy oh. he didn't. <laughs> Bam. Um, no, I mean it, it's it's a it's a true point that N'Golo Conte is a huge miss for this team. You know, Ruben Loftus Cheek. You know, when you think about carrying the ball at field, that's a huge miss for this team. Even Barkley has shown glimpses of this in the past, but I think you know both you know Ruben and Barkley have defensive work to do um, on the other side. So I get what Subsi is saying here, Dan. Uh, you know, he obviously is a uh, is quite the critic of Jorginho, um, you know, m- more than I think I'm willing to be. Um, but, you know, clearly, I, I think what I would look at today more than the shots, because I think he had plenty of shots, just none of them were on target. Um, I think the thing I would look for today is the passing movement. And there were, he also had a, a thread that where he was talking about uh, Jorginho and he, the ability that he can't pass more than 10 yards without someone just being wide open. And that's really interesting. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but I think he might be riding uh, Jorginho a little hard here. Well, I think if we are going to improve, the areas where you're going to look for it are on the distribution of the, the wingbacks into the box. So I don't always think that we got the cross, whether it was Aspi or Alonso, into the right position for attackers in the box because Tammy, to his credit, and I think deserves a lot of praise, was always putting himself into the box, was contributing defensively. I thought he, um, if he had scored a goal, would have been, you know, my man in the match because I think he went at it and was a pest and an annoying figure to the center backs for, in a way that is like Diego Costa light, light. Uh, I don't think he's the diet Coke version of Diego Costa yet, but I kind of think there's uh, maybe he's the Coke zero version. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think that there was an opportunity to, to do more with where the ball gets placed to set up the goal that was lacking from what we saw versus wolves where we were able to keep it on the ground a little bit more. You know, we, we attempted more of the cutback passing and the runs into the box. We didn't see a lot of that in this match. We were really just trying to see if we could body up against the center backs, Brandon, and that didn't produce the same results uh, that we saw this weekend. I think one of the things I was, I was looking at and, and kind of been thinking through is the formation. And it seems like if you think about it, Jorginho and Kovacic aren't great in a two, but he's done that to set his defense up for the, best result i mean tomori's looked fantastic uh christensen has looked good again and then you've got rudiger zuma to fill in you know potentially even dave if you want you know and he's definitely changed the if he sticks with this formation it doesn't really help dave maybe if he goes to right center back it definitely doesn't help his midfield though and so you wonder like is conte and and then ruben the the midfield two going forward or does he have to switch and go back to a back four so that his midfield are set up for success, having three in the middle. It's just going to be a, a challenge that he's going to have to battle all season. And, you know, setting who, who does he prioritize with the formation? Is it the defense? Is it the midfield? Is it the attack? Because, you know, you always give up certain things with formations. And with this formation, you give up your width a lot of the time. And you have... You know, it, sometimes it's hard for Pedro and William to combine as the two number 10s in this formation. So, like I said, I, I think that's something he's going to struggle with as well because, you know, it's it's not like you just snap into a formation like we saw against Wolves and everything was perfect. 
remember, you did that against Wolves because they play with a back three. It was to, you know, literally go toe-to-toe with them. We, we did the same thing with Liverpool. We played a 4-3-3. We just went at them in their game. And today, um, you know, armchair manager, hindsight's 2020, 4-3-3 probably would have been the best bet. Um, but look, now you've got Alonso playing great as a wingback. He's not going to play great as a fullback. So, you know, that's another thing. Is is Emerson as a fullback better than Alonso as a wingback? Like, I, I'm not even getting into all of it. These are all the things that Frank and his staff has to take into consideration. It's not easy. You know, it's not just um, change the formation and, and you'll get a different result. It's just, there's so many factors that go into this stuff. Um, it, it's just... It can get it can get a little bit overwhelming and tough at times, um, and so I think he was just at the end of the day, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's run it. But hey, it didn't perform, so I fully expect us to see something different against Liverpool. I don't think it'll be the four three three because we saw it in the Super Cup. I think he's going to try to come at them with a different look again uh, and try to just you know get them off balance a little bit. So. Well, I mean, his other option, because I think your your point about Alonzo is right. I thought Alonzo was, again, very solid in this match. Even got, I think he got forward a lot more, too. Like, he occupied a lot of, like, the territory, for example, that Eden Hazard would have occupied last year. I mean, he was really far up there for a while. And he obviously had a couple of standout, you know, kind of shots on goal. And um, it's interesting when he has a little less running to do how much more he can become a part of the attack. And I think you saw the team kind of grow into that Dan in the second half, because I actually thought contrary to Brandon, that the team held width really well. Dave was almost on an Island on the right side. They weren't paying him no mind the entire game. They were able to spray it out to him. They were able to cross field, get it back to Alonzo where I think they struggled was that. And, and this is kind of the point from earlier if, if Kovacic or Jorginho move upfield to try and link up play with William or Pedro or Mount before he got injured, obviously, it leaves that gap way exposed, right? And so then you have Christensen trying to go up and fill that gap. And then Zuma and, and Tamori are left to do a lot of work because the wingbacks are way upfield. And I think it, that's, that's the chaos point, right? If you can break on that, uh, there's not a whole lot stopping you. Well, and and Alonzo was helped in that scenario, as you highlight, by Tamori, right? Tamori offered a level of confidence and comfort, uh, like, you know, a, a kid needing, you know, his blanket at night. Like, Alonzo was covered and set. Like, he didn't have to worry that Tamori wasn't going to get back and track down the defender, that he wasn't going to make the smart heads-up play. Had a couple really key clearances to play the ball out versus trying to kind of recover it and play out from the back. Just showed a lot of wisdom and didn't... He was, you know, the one, I would say, out of our, our youth you know, progeny that were on the pitch that looked the most composed and made it look like he had, you know, been in the Champions League a couple of times before. Yeah, I, I I was not concerned with him in the slightest and think he's got at least as as long as we look at it, like this is your back three plus probably Rudiger for Zuma um at the moment. Yeah, and I would I would quickly add, Brandon, friend of the show, guy that we were going to see in London, Clayton Bierman, uh, with with a tweet that I like, which is however frustrating that was, I couldn't help uh smiling at how good Tamori is. Defense looks much better. He's in there for the duration. So He's he's projecting Tamori as as a starter 
for the foreseeable future. And that's, I mean, what a credit to him. What a credit to his performances the last couple of weeks. I mean, he obviously had a really tough moment against Sheffield, and I think has bounced back brilliantly um, the last two matches. And, I mean, just doesn't look phased at all. Well, think about this, too. He was most likely to leave on a loan until David Luiz ends up going to Arsenal. And so in the many sliding door moments of what could or couldn't have happened this season, Tamori doesn't go out on a loan, ends up getting into Chelsea's first team and plays in the Premier League, scores his first goal in the Premier League, and also plays in the Champions League in the same week. Like What, what a banner week for, for him, regardless of the way that this result panned out. Yeah, I, I think, one, I have to go back and say, Shane, my little rant was for you who is asking for more tactical <laughs> breakdowns so we'll, we'll see how it goes i don't want to go all in on it you know I'll it was that nerdy in. enough for you shane hmm? but you know i think that was good you know it, like i said formations are, are are super tricky they're super crucial um and it's kind of interesting we're seeing some players shine in certain ones and and not so much in other ones and so it's going to be uh, a non-stop judgment call for frank and company on uh, how he wants to set his team up uh, to get the best out of as many players as possible. But, yeah, super excited about uh, Tamori in the few minutes that we've seen him so far this season. So, uh, yeah, well well done to him. Uh, we are going to take a really quick break. Uh, thank you to the sponsor for supporting the podcast. When we are back, it is all talking about subs, injuries, um, VAR. I mean, so much more to go into this. So, uh, yeah, we will be right back. All right, here we go. Jumping right back into it. So, uh, Dan, were there any decisions that put Chelsea in a tough situation today? So maybe, um, you know, something that didn't go our way, something that at the end, maybe in hindsight, wasn't the best decision. Um, who do you, I guess, what? What do you think, if anything, can you pull out? You know, I think it's going to be an easy one to beat Frank up with, but the substitutions are probably the thing that I would point to first that I just felt like, and Nick mentioned this a little bit in the beginning, is that you got a lot of leggy players. You know, would there have been a better shout maybe to bring in Pulisic for Mount when the injury happened? Would it have been better to maybe bring Mishi in, who looked really good at interchanging versus on, on Sunday, set up Mount for the goal versus Giroud. You know, were there a couple of substitutions that would have benefited us? And again, we, we don't know all the tactical reasons. We don't know uh, why one player over another. But given the fact that you know, we, we were needed to score when uh, and, and really kind of take all three points and get a home win, Nick, that you would have imagined to see. Like those were two players I was expecting to see Pulisic as a sub. I was expecting to see Mishi as a sub. And the fact that we saw... Uh, Pedro Andrew, this match was was pretty. I was pretty surprised with that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I think would have started Pulisic in this in this match. I would have given Mason a break, and I know that again. I know it's crazy, but it, it, you know, as good as they, you know, as good as Tammy, as good as Mason, as good as Fakayo have been, like there are so many matches coming up, so many important, crucial matches that you know there are going to be times where back-to-backs just aren't the smart thing to do for for star quality talent and so yeah i mean i think i think the the lineup was probably probably where you know it was it was most wrong for me uh and then and then you look because frank can only control that piece right he can only pull the levers on the subs 
you know, the, the subs then have to go do something. And uh, I think the, you know, the, the switching the formation twice or, or rejiggering it didn't work. The style of play at the end where they finally started hitting long balls to our tallest guys and letting them come down with it and, and, and move it around was working, but it was only the last like two or three minutes that they did that. Um, it didn't feel branded to me like the 70th minute on didn't feel desperate enough didn't feel like they were, you know, it felt like they were going for it, but it, it felt kind of like three quarters speed, not all the way there. And, you know, and then Williams still can't beat the first man on a corner. <laughs> I mean, like it's the same thing we've seen over and over and over again. And, you know, I know there are some, there are some grumbles around the stadium, the audible grumbles on, on the, on the broadcast, you know, when that happens. So, I mean, I think, I think it was just, you know, a culmination of a lot of bad things, a little bit of bad luck. Uh, obviously, Mason going down with a, the horrific injury didn't help anything, and, and this is where we are. You know, they, uh, in a different match, they varred a tackle, a yellow card, to see if it would be a send-off. I'm not saying it should be. I'm just saying it was bad. It was a very, very bad tackle. Um, and obviously, he's going to have to have a scan, and we'll see how long he's out for. But, uh, yeah, Naz is the one here with the tweet. says, Mason Mount injury status via Frank Lampard. He has to get an ankle injury. Oh, I'm sorry. He has gotten an ankle injury. We don't Gotta know how bad. get one of those. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I hate you, Nick. Uh, we don't know how bad it is. We are going to have to assess it in the next 24 to 48 hours to see the scale of the injury. Try to see how it is. It's too soon to say not great in terms of the Liverpool match this weekend, which, by the way, um, when we booked our trip, we were guaranteed that Mason would play. So this is a little awkward for all of us. Yeah, you know, you know it's really exciting as we recorded uh, a, uh, a nice little London trip preview to go out on Thursday, Friday. And we definitely talked about the players we were excited to see with uh, Mason being one we were very awkward. much looking forward to. Yeah, it's a little awkward. Well, it's also uh, it's also yeah. terrible. Like a terrible challenge should have been red card. Studs up the fo- yeah. like. If you are squeamish in any regard, do not go look at the still photo uh, right before. And then as the foot hits his ankle, it is one of those ones where you think it's Photoshop, but it's really not. Limbs should not move that way. I don't and, know how it's not broken, Dan. I honestly like it's yeah. that's it just the shows the power of ligaments, honestly, and like yeah. the flex the flexibility in an ankle, but. He as cool. as they call it, it'll be strapped up for the rest of the season or taped up if you're an American like myself. Um, okay, well let's just I mean, guys, we've kind of been beating around the bush here a little bit. Can we just talk about penalty gate real quick? Can we just just No, dive no, into no, that? it's it's not a gate. We're gonna cancel that comment. No <laughs> listener should refer to it as penalty gate. Dan, the conspiracies are flying. William? Well, here's the thing. I I, I, t- I took the conversation from you. I walked up and I grabbed the start of that conversation, oh. and now you're trying to take it back from me. Oh boy, William <laughs> and Abraham both came up and got in the headspace of Ross. Did I? They phased their own teammate into missing that. It's like the uh, the icing the kicker in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, man, they they iced him. They got in his head, put in the seat of doubt. Ross is fragile right now. The only one that likes him is Gareth Southgate, and he doesn't even know why he likes him. Now, he's not getting a lot of minutes. He gets a chance to. In the Champions League to tie it up, and he leans back, smashes the crossbar. Well, here, here's the thing. So if 
if Ross is the penalty taker, and we will take Frank Lampard at his word that in the post-match interview that Ross on the pitch is the person to take the penalty, then no one should have bothered grabbing that ball and being over it other than him. Anyone, only person, only thing that others should have done is help bring the ball to him and get it set appropriately. So the fact that there was a little bit of back and forth, you know, I, I think the challenge is, and Nazar had this comment from Lampard, is that Jorginho and William were the takers on the pitch. When Ross comes on, he becomes the penalty taker and he missed it. So the fact that there's a secondary, does William take it? Does Jorginho take it? I, I guess those are the things that are confusing to me, Nick, and if they're confusing to me, it, it, is it possible that they're confusing to the players who then get an option to like flip a coin for it? Uh, I mean, maybe. Look, I, I think it was super amateur hour, to be honest. Uh, th- these guys train all the time. They know they know what the order of penalty taker is, and if not, Frank has now fucking told them in no uncertain terms what it is. I mean. I think William wants a goal just as badly as Barkley wants a goal, just as badly as Jorginho wants to make someone look stupid on a penalty. I mean, I, I, I cannot believe in a professional team that this happens. It, it, it blows my mind. Like, there's just an order of operations with, with set pieces who takes the corner, penalties, who takes it, you know, free kicks on what side, who takes it, like... You know, the fact that, like, William and Alonzo were arguing either fake or real over who was going to take the left side or the, the right-sided um, free kick, that's Alonzo's all day, man. He scored, like, seven of those. Just get out of his way. Like, what are you doing? William, yours is on the other side, you know? So go up when, when it's over there, that's going to be yours. Like, what are, we, what are we talking about here? Like, that, I think it was probably the most frustrating part of the match for me, Brandon, and it's... And it's only because we we laughed at Manchester United four weeks ago for for the morons on their team not knowing who was going to do a thing, and, and and then this happens. And like, look, Ross missed it. He's going to have to own that. But he should have. No one should have been fucking talking to him before this penalty, seeing like, hey man, what about what about me? No, get it, get out of his way. He's the guy. You're out. Well, I would say that free kicks are different than penalties. I mean, that's much more of a how you feel and what's the angle situation. I mean, it's just so much more of a difference. But and I would hope, like you said, ball on the right side and within distance, and Alonzo's on the pitch. Pretty obvious, yeah. I'm just saying to us, yes, maybe, but to maybe other players on the pitch, maybe not so much. And hopefully, they did have some theatrics to make it not so obvious, right? So that it isn't so cut and dry, and that there's a little bit of gamesmanship sure. for the goalkeeper. But sure. penalties are different, absolutely different. Um, it's the same thing. It's the equivalent of a free throw, right? It is the exact same thing, set up the same way every single time. Look, I, that's on Tammy. Being a young player, wanting a goal, um, and then that's on William. He it, it it obviously the players on the pitch knew it was Ross because Ross was there. They approached him. Jorginho didn't approach him. He knows the order. He, did, he dapped him up. He was just like you know. He was just like, hey, go get it. Like a different right, exactly a different approach from another player who probably would have loved to have taken it. And so you have to you know. There's a little bit of collateral damage there done by the team and the players. And instead of 
um, you know, give him going, you're, you're in his face saying, no, no, you sure you got this? Like, I got this, you know? And it just, it's a distraction when he needs to be focused on the task at hand. Um, you know, they didn't help, right? I'm not saying it's their fault, but they definitely didn't make it any easier. And it's, it is, it's obnoxious as a fan to see that kind of what you would consider it is a lack of cohesiveness, Nick. It's not the, everyone's reading off the same script where there's not a hundred percent team chemistry right now. There's still very much a, Hey, I'm going to do me a little bit in this, in this situation. We just want a well-oiled machine, right? We want this team to seem like it practices every day because it does, <laughs> you know, like and that's the, the wild part to me is like, you just, you do things in training. You, you practice all this stuff in training. And then when it gets to a crucial moment, you lose your mind. And like, I, I actually wanted to ask you this, Brandon, because I'm, I don't know if you've ever faced a situation like this as a goalkeeper, but like, how much was Sillison just smiling at, at the uncertainty that was being caused by, our own teammates before a penalty. Like, mm. is he is he thinking like ah, I got a good shot on this one? Nah, probably not. I mean, if anything, he's trying to think. Okay, well, if it's Barkley, he does this. If it's William, he does this. If it's Tammy, shit, I don't know what he does because he's never taken penalties before, <laughs> um, except for obviously the the championship playoffs. But uh, my point is, uh, it's Super Cup. Yeah, my point. Well, yeah, my point is that. Um, you know, not too much. I'm not thinking like, oh, this is an advantage. It's just more of an, an annoyance of like, let get your shit together. Come on, let's do this. Let's do this dance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a bummer, man. And I, I think the point that I would make on this is like, in addition to praising Jorginho for just being a leader and like trying to corral the crazy in, in, a, in a moment that shouldn't have ever happened, is even Barkley scores this, it, a draw feels super hollow regardless to me and i know that's i know it's a point i know it's a valuable point but like i just i I did not get the sense that this team was really up for today dan and and i think you know you could take all the theatrics aside it just wasn't a great performance oh again we're we're Frank has his shoelaces tied together an arm tied behind his back and he's you know wearing you know, uh, a blindfold over one of his eyes. You know, it's just, it, it, trying to put this squad together right now is really difficult. And I think it's, you know, hard to judge this result without the larger context of the situation. And, and you know what? When you have to string things together and you have to stitch together a solution, sometimes it's just not going to work. And as much as we think it did enough defensively outside of a singular set piece giveaway, like, if anything, I think the big takeaways are substitutions and just drop going back to man marking on on set pieces. Like the, if we yeah. took two things away from this loss, those are the things that I would take away because the next time we face Valencia, three or four players should be on that pitch that aren't there today, and that changes the whole equation of the game. So. Uh- Heavy feature of Grant James today in this podcast. Uh, it says that now that I've calmed down, Barkley on penalties, that story makes sense. It checks out. He scored two in preseason with Jorginho on the pitch both times. Barkley was not on the pitch when Jorginho scored in the Super Cup. Very, very good penalty taker. Usually just a miss. Crappy first ever Champions League appearance. So that kind of teased me into Derek's question from um, of how important is this match? So if we want to wrap up this episode with kind of, all right, it happened. Now what? What is the the butterfly effect of this match in the importance way and everything? Um, 
you know, is, is our Champions League run over? Do we just bag it in and play the the super youth and the super old? Or uh, do we still have life ahead of us going into Liverpool, Nick? What do you think, Giggles? Uh, I, so the, what I will say, the importance of this match is that in the Champions League and the group stages, winning at home is usually a very good way to see yourself through. Um, so what Chelsea have done now is make it pretty hard on themselves. It doesn't mean it's impossible. It doesn't mean that this group is is something, you know, it's not the group of death by any means or whatever, but like, you know, it's just, I think it becomes harder. And, you know, we saw this, you know, a couple of campaigns ago too, where you just leave yourself a lot to do late, you know, and as the group stages, Dan, get through November and December, you know, the, the Premier League fixtures pick up, you know, the, the League Cup fixtures are kind of coming to a conclusion. You just give yourself more of a job to do. And uh, I think that's the only takeaway I'd have about the group so far is it's it's not going to be easy. Um, it was never going to be easy. You know, we just we thought that because Barcelona wasn't in our group that it was it was maybe going to be uh, a little more simple and straightforward, but it's not. Well, I don't think it ever is in the Champions League. Even when you look at the groups, you've you know, you might have thought, oh, Frankfurt is probably not difficult last season or is going to be as hard in, you know, our, our semi run into the Europa League final. And they took us to penalties. So it's it's a bad it's a fallacy to look at the group that you have and say just because it doesn't have Barcelona, Juventus, Napoli, Liverpool, all these other teams in it, that it's not a difficult group. Like the group is as difficult as the situation is for the club right now. And look, we're, we're now at a situation where we can get a maximum of 15 points. There's two teams that could get a maximum of 18 points if they win all their games, and that means that we would be out uh, of the group stage and uh, get to potentially go back to Europa League, which is not what we want. So I think what we've done is we made it so that the next game versus Valencia away is a must-win game. Um, we, we have to win um, against Ajax now because they've won, and that's the situation we're in, Brandon. Like we just, it has now become a, we can't necessarily draw games. We need to go in with the intention of winning uh, our next couple Champions League matches and not be content with, you know, a one nil victory. Like we need to push for two, push for three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the next one is uh, Lille away, right? So we head into France uh, at the beginning of October, then it's Ajax away. So you know, if you're thinking about that, I think that if you don't get maximum points at Lille, now we're starting to sweat a little bit. Um, mm. But we're not there yet. And again, we have Liverpool this weekend. So it's not as straightforward. It's not always as cut and dry. But I think that there's still some importance in this match um, that it would have been a much, much bigger springboard had we gotten the three points. Um, Look... Champions League groups, there are, there are a maximum of 18 points that can be gained, right? You, mm-hmm. you got six matches. So it's good math. Ra- rarely do you see a team finish with 18 points. Thank you, Brandon. I'm very good at math. Uh, rarely do you see a team finish with all 18 points, right? So th- there is margin for error in a round-robin style like this, but there isn't a lot. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could easily see a situation where, you know, Chelsea, Ajax, Valencia – you know, beat up on poor Lille and then they have to go and, and duke it out with each other. And like, um, it, I think it just is, uh, it, it's a much harder situation than, than what we probably, uh, wanted at this point. But, 
you know, they're just going to have to go do it now. You know, again, there's no use in crying over spilled milk. It just, you gotta, gotta go do it. All right. Well, Hey, look, it's a midweek pod for us. It's a bit of a bonus episode. It's late. It's time for us to continue to pack and get ready and, uh, you know, wrap up. So I'll go ahead and kick around for final thoughts real quick. Um, but look, we got matches again this weekend while we're in London. So, uh, the content will continue to come very quickly. So Dan, uh, what would you like to wrap up with? Just that, you know, it, again, these things happen, right? Losses happen when you're the better team on the pitch and you can't do anything about it other than control how you react to it. And Frank and Jody and the team and all the players will go out and respond up accordingly. And that'll probably happen with a victory over Liverpool, saving the world from what would be the ultimate apocalypse, them winning the Premier League the year after winning the Champions League. Just would be terrible. We got to stop it. Yeah, we see the hole in your wall back there. We know how you deal with anger. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, if you know Dan, he's one for violence, uh, I can yeah, assure you. Yeah, absolutely. Just a <laughs> rage against the world. Nick, what about you? Uh, so I think an interesting point, and there's only been three matches at home, is that Frank Lampard has not uh, yet won a match at home, which you would think oh. would okay, be... Okay, Nick. Uh, All right. Be, I mean, it's just a little scary because we have three straight matches at home. I mean, while we're there, uh, Grimsby, a real worry. Yeah, we're coming to save the day, Nick. Yeah, I mean, you know, we we did we did draw against Southampton the last time in the league. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, the real thing that I want to close on is uh, our, our longtime follower. I think since season one, which is. That's a diehard, um, if you listen back in the day. Um, William Perry just got married last week. He had a, he had a Chelsea flag and a scarf uh, for, his, uh, for his wedding photo, so we're looking forward to seeing those. But just want to give a shout-out to him. He's, he's always pumping us up with, with positivity and funny anecdotes, and you know it's, it's those types of uh, people who, who really keep us going during the year. So uh, just congrats to William and his and his new boo and uh yeah excited for you guys all right well lovely community that we have here um and uh i'm really glad nick you didn't go one step further and say lampard out because uh, that's what i was feeling you were going i kid obviously not um but yeah we'll we'll be there to see him uh, rack up the victories at home uh again it's it's no time to panic uh, and I think it's really interesting to hear that the uh, people who you know have been going to Chelsea matches for decades, they're hyped. This is the happiest they've been in in a, you know quite a few years. And I think that you know I'm not here to say the season ticket match going fan is the is the the truth, the absolute truth. Um, but I'm gonna take a page out of their book and I want to ride that excitement wave. You know, even though I'm not there week in week out, so. Uh, let's you know dap it up a little bit get excited about frank and the the youth revolution and um yeah there's going to be bumps along the way but if this works out guys it is worth the the gamble uh the 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 success that we will reap for years with a strong academy core to the team i mean just you know best case scenario for the club especially if you think about financial power the best way to go buy world-class players is not have to buy squad players and even some starters so um, that's kind of what I'm thinking where I'm at. All right, Chelsea fans, well, that'll wrap it up for this episode. Again, hope you enjoyed it. You are the best community out there. And uh, until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Get the blue flag flying high. <laughs> <laughs>